welcome to Indonesia Digital Deconstructed, where we break apart and dive deep into the different parts of the Indonesian tech scene to get an insider's look into how each space is evolving. Leveraging off our research, proprietary insights, and working with leading entrepreneurs, we'll bring you the insider's view of the industry as we navigate our way around one of the world's fastest growing tech scenes. I'm Adrian Lee, your host and managing partner in AC Ventures. Today, we go into our fourth episode and continue exploring the tech companies that support the 63 million MSMEs that power the country's economy. In prior episodes, we've covered Ula and how they're disrupting the supply chain for the smallest offline retailers in Indonesia, as well as ESB, which focuses on large multi-chain FNB. In this episode, we uncover the problems that small to mid-sized companies face and how technology is revolutionizing how they run their businesses. Today, we're excited to be joined by Adi Rahadi, founder and CEO of Maju. Maju is an end-to-end MSME platform that helps companies conduct seamless omni-channel sales and digitize their operations. Adi, welcome. We're glad to have you on the show. Thank you for having me, Adrian. So Adi, before we start, Let's take a look at your 20 years of experience in the telecommunications world. You started off in the IT department while you're at Telcom mm-hmm. before shifting to strategy positions and ultimately becoming the general manager of TCash, now known as Linkadja. And here you led the mobile money business for micro enterprises, which sounds like it's where you started working with MSMEs. Is that right? Yeah, that is, uh, that is true, Adrian. So... Could you share with us how the accumulation of all these experiences led you to start Maju? And along that, how did you make that journey from being a 20-year corporate to becoming an entrepreneur? Right, right. So it all started when I took my education in informatics, where I learned low-level programming, database and application programming that shaped me to become a programmer. I developed PC-based CX application at the time used by several banks. And I remember created a POS app based on Microsoft DOS and DBS for my friends' retail businesses back then in late 19s. Then I joined Telcom Cell during its startup years, like five years in IT, 10 years in operation. Then I moved to Telcom Cell Corporate Strategic Planning where I worked the most with Telcom and Singtel's beauty. As you know, Singtel owns 35 of shares. I created five years corporate strategic plan to ensure Telcom sell, continue to win the market. Then uh, you mentioned earlier, I joined TKS, the Telcom sell digital units for mobile money platform to serve 60 million Indonesian unbanked population. Now spin off becoming Lingaja and merge with four state-owned companies bank, uh, where Gojek and Grab also investing in Niaja. And aside of working in Telcom Cell, I had a computer shop, a small shop selling POS hardware back then. That's when we met a lot of small business owner that started our project of Maju. Then I resigned from Telcom Cell in July 2019 when we got our first angel investors and also resigned from Niaja because I was a second month at the time, and become full-time in my Jew. So combine all of those journey, I experienced three types of cultures. So corporate culture, 
startup culture and entrepreneurial culture. That's a wonderful journey that you've been on. And I think you know, we see a lot of entrepreneurs, but I think some unique things that we see from your journey so far was that A, you were an engineer. You knew how to program and build software. We don't often see that these days uh, in entrepreneurs. It's normally a team of entrepreneurs that do that, but you were both the entrepreneur and also the engineer. Uh, We also saw that you had significant experience in corporate and in work experience in general, 20 years before you decided to really come out and start your tech company. You mentioned that you had a computer store of your own. And probably this is like a MSME or mid-sized MSME. From your experience in running that, is that did that contribute to your understanding the pain points that these mid-sized companies face? Yeah, uh, that's, that's, a, that's a good uh, question, Ajian. So really, uh, when we talk with them, when, when we see how they operate and we see a lot of pain, points that they have because when 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 you are entrepreneur or small business owner you do everything on your own right from managing sales inventories your employees uh, you need a comprehensive solution for you to ease your daily operation that's when we start uh, we started mind you so because we are also a part of this small business owner entrepreneur and also this communities that we are pretty much know uh, of their pen point and started to develop a solution for them. That's great. I think you're, you're right on in saying that these small enterprises, mid-enterprises, as the business owner entrepreneur, you have to do so many things at once. And uh, obviously in your position, uh, seeing how technology could help them, you found a way to connect that problem to what you could build. Wanted to ask as well, you know, the best teams are teams. They're not just solo founders. And you met your co-founder, Audi at uh, your MBA program. Tell us a bit about how you guys met and how you you were able to share your passion for the MSME industry and ultimately come together and start Maju. That's a good question, Adrian. I think also for every co-founders may also consider. So me and Audi, we uh, complement to each other. Although we have the same corporate and entrepreneurial kind of working experience, uh, we know each other for a long time, but we have a different core competencies. Audi gained more experience in the operations, partnership, and finance, as he was a director of operation for more than 10 years when he was running his family business. While I'm more of a strategic product and, and growth and marketing. But the most important that me and Audi share, we share the same vision of business that creates social impact. We are happen in the same group of final business plan project in Prasya Mulia Business School. And our business plan was selected to represent our, our uh, school. And, and in a shortest Asia round in Bangkok, we won it. And we, we reached the final round in Haas Business School in Berkeley, competing with world's top business school, including Harvard, uh, MIT Sloan, Stanford, that set up our mindset that building a business is not just about profitability, but also to create larger impact at the same time, Adrian. Wonderful. So you literally had that opportunity to work together while at school before you leapt into the entrepreneurial journey. And I can certainly identify with that because 
I also used the business school project to ultimately launch my first startup in China too. So it's a great trial run before you actually jump into it. Was your, may I ask, was that business plan uh, the seed of what would become Maju? Was it in the same space? Uh, that is really a different business plan for what Maju today. So we help coastal communities to get clean water and we process it from the sea using a solar panel. So because if you are living on a coastal area, uh, you will have a difficulties to get the clean water for, for, for your for your tree. So we identify in several, several locations in Indonesia that they are needing the most before they, they are drinking like rain from, from rainwater and dirty water. So, so our project is to provide clean water for them, but it is very economic and from the sea by the sun. So it creates more social impact uh, for them. That's, that's really the core of our mindset that brings uh, up to the margin. So you know, ultimately, once you finished that business school and also you won that uh, business plan competition, you started to work on Maju. And back then, I understand it wasn't even Maju, but it was a business called Klopos. And it was focused on being a cashier system. Is that right? Yeah, that is, that is true, uh, Adrian. So how did you get your first steps into going into that uh, together with uh, our, our dear? So yeah, we, we called Klopos uh, uh, back then because we, we, we started the journey because we started from the uh, POS. But soon we, are, soon we are realized that we are more than POS. Then it was the time that we, we wanted to rebrand the product, uh, becoming more of, more of emotional branding. Uh, rather than a tactical naming of Klopos, brand that creates engagement with uh, our market. And we want to give a sense of progression with our entrepreneurs, with Maju. Maju help business move forward or Maju in, in Bahasa. So that's also what engage with me and Audi because Audi also has small business in F&B and retail businesses. And he is also one of uh, our clients when we when I have a small shop of POS hardware. So that discussion continue up until we, we started our project of Maju. Wonderful. So let's move on from that initial point of sale system that you started. And as you say, you began to see that there's applicability to a much broader opportunity uh, for the 63 million MSMEs that exist in Indonesia. These days, you refer to your uh, app as a super app that can really help run all aspects of a micro and small medium uh, enterprise. But how did you break down each of the different opportunity sets, the needs that these MSMEs have, and then prioritize? Because as a startup, you can't do everything. Like what, how did you figure out what was the most important thing to go after first? So when, when looking at the MSME space, we segmenting it into three based on their business size. Uh, number one, medium and small segment. Second, upper micro segment. And third, lower micro segment. The first segment, medium and small, are the one that has the biggest sales turnover and profitability. But the number of population are relatively small compared to micro segment. While the third segment, the lower micro, is not the one that create a business for, for making a profit. They, they do it just for a living. 
So we are targeting the two segments, the medium small segment and the upper micro segment. These two segments has the ability to purchase business tools or solution. That's when, uh, what we are targeting, Adrian. That's great because, you know, actually of the 63 million MSMEs, there are many different types of customers in that set. And while the majority are micro, um, it's good that you've identified a certain subset within the larger micro and then the smaller mids uh, that you address. So if you think about the main needs uh, for these types of businesses, uh, be it point of sale, be it uh, inventory manager, management, be it you know, payroll, kind of what are the key feature sets that you targeted first to meet the needs of these uh, small enterprises? So uh, we, we, we started uh, to, to looking at the journey of the retail segment itself. So the journey of MSME uh, starting from uh, recording their sales. So that's when we providing the first journey. So once they, they are able to, to record their sales, daily sales transaction, they will, they will move to the inventories and they will uh, move again to the accounting because only a POI solution or recording sales or only, they will not be able to know the net, uh, net, net income because you already, you, you know only the uh, total sales, but you don't know uh, the healthiness of your business. So that's when we are starting with with uh, recording the sales and going into adding more solution on the inventories, integrating that with employees management and then with the customer CRM and plus integrating that with uh, the complete of accounting. Also, we see that different type of retail business has different journey like a retail F&B or like a laundry business where where more of journey for, I would say, uh, a services business where you recording of workflow process uh, coming from the customer, put up the order, you process it uh, and deliver it to the customer. So we create a different UX for each of retail businesses. So not only a comprehensive uh, solution, but we understand that each of retail business has different journey. So we combine those into a comprehensive, a comprehensive solution for uh, any type of retail businesses, Adrian. Thank you for giving that detail. In fact, if we think about that, that's probably one of the keys to your success because when you started off, point of sale wasn't exactly a non-competitive uh, market. Uh, there were several companies, for example, Mocha Post, which we were prior investors in before the acquisition by Gojek. Mm -hmm. There's Pawoon, which I believe operates on a free-to-use uh, kind of SaaS model. And, you know, there are no doubt many other types of point of sale players as well. So beyond customizing UX and also thinking about that user journey, what were some of the other features or things that you did to make sure that customers were sticky to you and they chose Maju over the other products in the market? So our proposition is different compared to the closest uh, players. We are offering an entrepreneur app a comprehensive solution uh, to run and manage business. So like, like I mentioned earlier, POS is just one of our feature. To manage a business, you will need not only POS, but also inventories, management, customer, employees, accounting. Uh, Mind you package in uh, one price without 
add-ons that would uh, make our users like about our solution again. Great. So it's about that comprehensive set of features together uh, that really differentiates what you are providing over you know, what the pure play point of sale companies are doing. Yes, uh, that is true again. So, so clearly one of those big differences is your ability to create feature sets beyond the point of sale. And actually one of the unique things about Maju is that you have quite a strong engineering team. You know, we see a lot of teams where they actually struggle in building technology teams, and sometimes they can't find the engineers even in Indonesia. So they go and outsource to other countries. You actually have an engineering team in Malang. So could you talk a bit about how did you end up building an engineering team in Malang? Is that a good place to build an engineering team? Tell us about some of the advantages you've had in developing a tech team over there. Yeah. So really interesting question, Adrian, because... So one of our co-founder, Bayou, he grew up and stayed in Malang. And I was took my high school in Malang. So we pretty much know about these communities. Many good software engineers that doesn't want to work uh, in the capital cities like Jakarta or Surabaya. And some of them are returning back to Malang. So we combine our organization structure for business purpose. Of course, we have to be in Jakarta. But uh, Jakarta is not for us to, to build, to have a strong core engineering team at our scale. We will compete with big guys out there. So we need to think another way. Since uh, we build technology that needs a strong core uh, software engineering team, uh, again. so that's, that's uh, how the story began. Well, that's great. How, how big is your engineering team now? And uh, how do you run this engineering team when you're not based in Malang as well? Yeah, uh, today uh, we still continue uh, to grow a number of engineering team in Malang. It's it's now tripled. E- even some some part of our tech team or technical assistance center to support our customer is now based in Malang. And we instilled the process from the very beginning as we already set up this uh, since we started the project. And then others will automatically follow the process also, we use online collaboration tools even before people started to use this kind of tools after the pandemic, Ajian. Right. Thank you. Now, if my memory serves me correct, we were first introduced, I believe, in late 2019. And we started looking at your business as early 2020, and we could see that the COVID pandemic was beginning to, uh, to, to start, right? This must have been one of the toughest times you've experienced Um, in building Maju, uh, not least because your target customer, these MSMEs, were severely impacted Mm -hmm. by the restrictions of the pandemic. As often is the case, through challenges, we seek solutions and we become better of them. But can you talk about how did you react? How did you face these types of challenges as a result of COVID? And what were the impact to your business as a result? Yeah, uh, we, we, we all uh, have the same experience with COVID, right? So when COVID happened, we all know that it will last for a long period. You know exactly that retail segment was the most impacted uh, when the restriction applied. We were maintained to acquire new users in the first three months post-COVID, but then we see a retail transaction was back in the business. 
but we projected that the number of acquisitions will not be as high as the pre-COVID. So we shifted our strategy from high-growth user acquisition into a profitability strategy and manage our runway. We set up a task force of three squads. We call it the Project Ocean to execute our new strategy. One of the tasks was conducting a research for market acceptance. So if we add more features on our existing product and increase the price, uh, what will be the ceiling? Our research shows that they are still accepting our new price point. So we accelerating the development of accounting features and more features for the advanced package and increase the price three times from the previous package. So that's also helping a lot uh, with uh, our sustainability business uh, today, Adrian. Well, it looks like that research you know, really paid off. You know, we were hesitant uh, to make an investment on the onset of the pandemic because you know, we knew that the retail segment would be so impacted by it. Um, and when we came back to look at the business again, six months in, you know, we found that your user base had tripled, uh, that you, know, you had been able to increase prices, uh, and you'd actually ended up benefiting from the uh, pandemic. Yeah, thanks for the support, Adrian. <laughs> you know, tell me if, a bit more about some of the differentiated strategies that you used during the pandemic to grow, because as you know, you know people were locked down, they couldn't travel so easily. Uh, were there new ways, for example, to acquire customers uh, that you had launched uh, in order to grow during the pandemic? So I think uh, it is uh, uh, very simple. It's, uh, it's a combination of a product value uh, proposition uh, for most complete features with single pricing. And then we are also increasing our digital campaign and more productive sales of uh, acquisition. And yeah, I think we are also creating a business model, a different kind of business model that that uh, helping us a lot on the acquisition while also maintaining uh, of our cost of our acquisition at the time because cost of acquisition has always been uh, our main concern when managing our business. So to, to manage it, we created a business model which we call it a business partner uh, model whereas compensation is based on performance of a fixed and variable income. And we built our own CRM tools for our sales team so that they can be more productive with the leads. And by increasing their productivity, you will have a lower CAC. Yeah, you know, in these types of businesses, uh, being able to contain CAC because it, it can't be purely a digital acquisition strategy. And you know, given some of the depth of your product feature set, uh, probably there needs to be some sort of hands-on training and product introduction by an offline team as well. So, you know, it's great to hear that you were able to develop some of your bespoke technology uh, to be able to do that. But kind of going on to the onboarding part of a product such as this, right? You know, you are, like you say, an, uh, an app for business owners. You do a lot of things with your, with your platform. Mm. How have you found the adoption rate uh, and the maturity of your customers to be able to get used to and use all the different tool sets that you provide in the Maju app? 
So uh, we we develop an end-to-end onboarding process for our customer. So we train the basic use of Maju for two hours. So at least they can just start to use it uh, the next day. But we are also providing additional paid training if they need it by online or offline. And then we are also conducting a follow-up call in the first month, three months, and uh, six months, just to make sure that they have a good experience with our solution up until we have a reminder for renewal in uh, month minus one and the month minus uh, zero. So also we are the one that started to provide 24 hours hotline support that is now becoming an industry standard and a dedicated on-site support in 60 cities. And we are also having our technical assistance centers, tech level one, tech level two, and tech level three team to support our customer. So, and and the result is that 60% of our customers renew their subscription for another 12 months in advance, and 80% of retention rate for 12 months subscribers. Again, that's really uh, make us uh, satisfied today. Yeah, well, that's incredible. I'm sure some of that intense customer focus you'd learned as well in your prior experience in working for a larger corporate. And I also love the fact that you know not only are you obviously building technology to serve your customers, but you are clearly using digital technologies to empower your own sales team and customer support team to help those customers stay on your product for longer. Now, you mentioned an 80% retention rate. That's really high. Uh, for an industry such as such as this, you know, what are some of the other strategies you've retained uh, beyond that intense customer focus and providing all that support that's been able to contribute to such a benchmark beating, beating retention rate? So yeah, we are creating uh, we are creating other solution that will create more stickiness to our users, like including the value added services of of payment and then of working capital. So by also uh, helping them to grow the business, their business will be pretty much sustained and they will use Maju for a long, long time. And so we will continue that that, uh, what is already good standard and create new standards such as we are planning to have an integrated touch point with enhancement of our internal CRM for our CX operations. We are expecting that this also will deliver best CX experience that will increase our customer loyalty and retention. Adrian. Wonderful. And you know, it's, you know, suddenly you know, these, uh, this type of retention is going to be critical as you manage your you know, CAC down so you can optimize your lifetime value over your acquisition costs, right? which you know, is something that we are continuing to work on. Now, I'd like to talk now a bit more about your new product, you know, this year, Maju has developed an e-commerce pack uh, that essentially allows for a localized Shopify model. Now, this vastly expands the pie of what you're doing. And I think is, you know, to get this together with being able to accept more and more forms of digital payments actually vastly scales the kind of revenue opportunity that you have. Mm-hmm. Because as we know, you can only charge so much money to these uh, small, medium enterprises, right? Um, they've only got so much excess uh, budget in order to be able to run their operations. Tell us a bit more about how you came to this opportunity, like how you found your way there. Uh, how does your 
particular product extension help with offline retailers as they seek to participate in the online retail world as well? Yeah, uh, as we we all know that uh, pandemic has shifted consumer behavior and boost uh, MSME to sell through online channels. But the main reason for Indonesian MSME to sell online is that they wanted to to sell more to have the increase of their sales volume. As result, they wanted to have a simple setup, uh, mobile rep- responsive because eighty percent of population are accessing internet through mobile and then a mass capable to have multiple online sales channel through marketplace and also social medias. That's what, what I see, uh, Adrian. So with your product, can you tell us a bit more? It allows these offline retailers to sell through marketplaces. Does, are you also enabling them to open their own store online like Shopify? Or what are the different channels that you are optimizing for through this new product? So um, we are helping them through all of the online channels. And so number one, we are also providing them with our own e-commerce uh, store. It consists of a web website and a web tree. Uh, if, if you're familiar with Linktree, web tree is like Linktree, but more sexier. Uh, you can set up your menu of your services there. Of course, our e-commerce also equipped with web order checkout, having capabilities to do online payment and also a shipment courier. But not only providing them with e-commerce, we are also integrating them with marketplace. So, for example, uh, we are connect with all major marketplaces in Indonesia like Tokopedia, Shopee, and Bukalapak, and also GrabFood for our F&B uh, retail businesses. So by integrating this, uh, they were only using one platform and capable to sell online through their own e-commerce, but also serving customer coming from the marketplace order. So... That's the beauty, and we and we synchronize everything into into our platform. Meaning, you don't need to synchronize uh, or, or manage your inventory uh, one by one in Tokopedia and Shopee and Bukalapak. We will automatically synchronize. That help a lot for online seller, but also helping a lot for the offline channel to sell more on the online channel. So that's super interesting. So it's actually a bit of a misnomer to think of this like Shopify because Shopify really allows merchants to just sell through their own store. But really, this is a, a very, very much truly an omni-channel you know, management tool because it will synchronize from offline, it will synchronize from your own store or your social store, or it will also synchronize across multiple marketplaces because you know, Indonesia... Uh, it's not like some of the more mature markets where there really is a dominance of a single horizontal store. There are still multiple players in the market, and it's important to build a presence across each of them. And you know that can be a real pain for a, a single uh, owner or a small store who doesn't have dedicated mm-hmm. you know, online marketing merchants to managers to manage all these stores for them, right? So you certainly see the uh, the value that this uh, this is uh, delivering. I want to move also back to this opportunity in digital payments because you know one of the most remarkable things we have seen uh, over the course of the pandemic is this massive shift towards using digital wallets and digital payments. Um, and that's been facilitated by obviously the, the COVID pandemic, which has made people want to adopt less physical cash and go digital, but also through the government push to introduce 
uh, curious and uh, you know having a single standardized format for be able to uh, pay digitally. How has your product helped merchants respond to this, and what has the reaction been in the last twelve months? Yep. So really uh, agree with you, uh, Adrian. So many many of our customers today doesn't accept a cash payment anymore because uh, they wanted to to avoid fraud from from the uh, operations, but also helping them to stay and manage the risk of of the pandemic. So that's when we are we work with uh, e-wallet provider or issuer directly, like Ofo, GoPay, LinkAja, and, and ShopeePay. But we are using a single QRIS uh, in Indonesia, meaning customer doesn't need to 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 submit uh, the the uh, submission to use e-wallet to each of the issuer. But we will help them. One submission we will submit to to every issuer and then can, they can just uh, use it right away uh, in front of, of the store so we see that the trend is increasing today we are one-on-one we are growing significantly in the pandemic uh, compared to the uh, the pre uh, the previous one so and then uh, we are also providing them with the the non non face-to-face transaction of uh, of online payment uh, still through the uh, online QRIS, but they can send it through WhatsApp. So they can do do a scan QR through their WhatsApp. But for our our e-commerce, that's hundred percent of online payment that we are providing to our customer again. That's great, and you know one can envision envision once you are able to process a lot of the digital payments as well, that opens up a whole new data set for you guys that can actually be used to ultimately help with financial product solutions uh, to these MSMEs. And we know that this is also one of the huge needs of this uh, target customer as well, right? That is true. So that's also at the data dimension that we have, uh, a side of retail businesses that we are capturing a lot of data dimension from the SKU uh, and the customer purchase behavior. Uh, and today we are also collecting that and, and record the different type of data dimension from the payment and also from the, the daily operation from the accounting net income. That helps us a lot later on we understanding that that this kind of data dimension we can we can do a credit scoring. That's why we are also preparing our team uh, starting from Q4 uh, last year uh, to build uh, our own credit insight. Of course, we, we, we cannot call that the credit insight because we are not a financial institution. We call it a credit insight. But based on that credit insight, uh, we can work with partners. We can, all, we, we can use our own balance sheet as long as uh, it is aligned with the regulation. We, we believe with the huge of data that we have and data points that we are building into a credit insight, we can offer more financial services later on uh, for our customer to not only today our, our solution uh, help them manage the business, but providing financial services to grow their business later on. Amazing. So I want to now kind of zoom out a bit and kind of think more macro and get your insights on where you think this entire industry is going. Indonesia is really a nation of entrepreneurs. These MSMEs, with 63 million of them, it's almost like almost 
you know, 90% of the kind of eligible population is, is an entrepreneur in some way, shape or form. Yeah. Historically, they've all been very, let's say, traditional paper pen based, right? And not really utilizing much uh, technology. And we've seen this massive shift happen. If you were to project over the next three to five years, what do you think the digitization of this industry is going to look like? Where, what other tool sets are these MSMEs going to ask for? Uh, how are they going to change over time? So you are correct. Uh, Indonesian MSME market is very, very big. And with a big, big value chain, uh, there, there will be many players trying to support every aspect of MSME business with digitalization, technology, supply chains, up to the financial services I mentioned earlier. And our strategy to develop a product, of course, will be to become an open ecosystem. So being an open ecosystem, meaning we are on the side of MSME, so providing single integration of uh, multiple solutions from the ecosystem that uh, needed the most by, by Indonesian MSME. That's very exciting. You kind of think of yourselves almost like the operating system of MSMEs. And ultimately, when you're, you're large enough, allowing other people, other startups even, to build APIs and tool sets onto your platform that can serve the MSMEs. Yeah, that is true, Adrian. Even, even like we are working also with one of the largest ecosystem in Indonesia, we do a deeper partnership integration with GrabFood. We, we call it Maju Maxima. It is the first product bundling integration with Grab in the region, whereas GrabFood merchant can use uh, Maju as their main app to accept and process GrabFood order from the customers, but integrated with all of Maju comprehensive features. And But they don't need to pay subscription in a monthly basis. Instead, uh, Grab will do automatic deduction from the daily settlement. So that's, that's what I mean with the ecosystem integration, Adrian. Right. You know, the way that you can remove a lot of all these frictions and integrate with others, I think, delivers a lot of value, both to your customers and also to the partners and the end customers as well. Now, I'm really excited about all the plans that you have uh, coming up, and especially you know, with this year, as we see exponential growth coming out of uh, the pandemic. What is top of mind for you as we think about the next six to 12 months this year? Where are you focused on in terms of building your business, building your product and scaling the company? So uh, Maju today is already known uh, as the most comprehensive solution with complete features for MSME to manage and, and grow the business. So our priority now is not only enhance our core features, but also to create a best experience in our product and platform, including UI, UX and also CX, including the after-sales service for, for the thousands, hundreds, thousands and millions of our customers uh, in years to come. So we, we prepare it now, Adrian. Amazing. Well, it's been really incredible having you today, Adi. Thanks so much for joining us. You've been really generous with sharing your insights and learnings from building this business. You know, is there anything else you would like to add as we wrap up? Sure, yeah. MSME in Indonesia is the backbone of our economics, creating major, major employment and reducing social problems. 
we wanted to be the part of creating millions of entrepreneurs in Indonesia and grow them better than we found it. Thanks, uh, Adrian. Well, thanks so much for sharing your story, your vision and mission for the company. We wish you all the best. Um, we're obviously here to support you on that journey. And thanks again for your time today. Thank you, Adrian.